Gentlemen, we went over the rules in the dressing room. I want to caution you to keep this fight clean at all times, and what I say you must obey. Live from the WKOM studio in downtown Columbia, it's time to wake up and get woke. It's three dudes with a view. Let's get it all! All right, welcome in. Three dudes with a view. Monday edition. It's uh, looks like sunshine out there. It wasn't too cold this morning, so hope you all had a great weekend. I hope you uh, went to the Christmas parade, saw the Christmas tree lighting. If you didn't, uh, the parade is on our website. You can see the video and hear the broadcast of the parade on the WKOM website. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing, man? Doing well, Delk. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Delk. I think Clayton ought to be doing super great, huh? The Bama Jamma, huh? <laughs> I tell you, it was uh, one heck of a weekend. I did not expect that, but we will absolutely 100% take it. There you go. Now, the, the four people picked, the four teams picked, uh, Alabama, uh, Alabama and Michigan play in the Rose Bowl and Washington and um, who is it Washington plays? Uh, oh, good. Texas. Texas, yeah, Texas huh? yes, Texas. Texas absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, okay, folks. What, what do you all think about that? Uh, did what happened them? to Florida State, Clayton? <laughs> Uh, you know, when you score, <laughs> well, when, you, you act just like the people selecting them. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. York, did you think Florida State should have been included? No, uh, I, I didn't because they lost a key player. And, and you want to have a real competitive game in those bowl games. And, and that was that would probably set them back some. Not saying that the second string quarterback wasn't any good, but you just look for better performance out of the top guys that's playing. Okay. Well, <laughs> their third-string quarterback threw for 50 yards Saturday night against a Louisville team that Kentucky had beaten a week ago. So, yeah, there was no way they were going to put them in. I thought the funniest thing of the day was Michigan's reaction to Alabama getting in and them and them realizing they were going to have to play Alabama. I mean, it was <laughs> it was quite hilarious. They, ga- they gasped. There were lots of gasps. You know, and and I'm going to make a prediction here, and I'm not a, a you know a football student, but uh, I don't think Michigan or Washington are in the same league as Texas and Alabama. That's a very good analogy, or not analogy, but evaluation there, Delk. That's uh, you're you're exactly right. They're they're both Alabama and Texas are built a little bit different. Michigan doesn't have the speed that either team has, and then Washington, I don't think they're as good up front as those other two either. So. But, Clayton, I was suspecting what Alabama was going to do. The first series, offensive series, wasn't too good. first defensive series wasn't too good. And it looked like they turned a switch on uh, he in went, terms of defense and start just bashing Georgia. They went from a three-man front to a four-man front on that second series and played two safeties high is what Coach Saban said after the game. And they just kept everything in front of them. And they were able to put pressure on Georgia with the four-man front, and it worked. Yeah. They, they go. got after them real good. They did. And um, th- those are going to be two really good games, I, I believe, uh, on New Year's Day. Um, a lot of hype going into them. Don't know how well they'll turn out, but – I think uh, I think it'd be a lot of excitement, especially out in Pasadena. 
Well, Bama can start off fast. They started off a little slow against Georgia, and that, that's kind of a trend. But if they can start off fast and keep the momentum going for 60 minutes, it's going to be a good game. That's it. I mean, Jalen Milrow has improved so much from the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, I said it on this show a few weeks ago or a month ago. Oh, I'm an apology. I, I, it did not look well uh, early on with him. But uh, he has kept working, and he has improved tremendously. And I think it says a lot about uh, what kind of player and person he is, but I also think it says a lot about uh, the coaching down in Alabama and uh, what they've been able to do. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Two historical teams like Michigan and um, Alabama playing in Pasadena. That that will be um, that'll be something. Okay, there we go, folks. A lot of excitement. Anybody? I, I got to the Christmas parade. Clayton, you were you were here. Your family didn't make it though. No, no. it's still a lot of sickness in the house. Mr. York, did you get out for the Christmas parade? No, no, not on bad weather. I, I don't watch. I don't watch any kind of parade doing bad weather. Well, it was duck weather, all right. It, although it, yeah. it did pretty much quit raining for the parade, which was a good thing. Um, Ray, we have a special guest with us today. She's been with us before, uh, Aline Spatz. Welcome. How you doing? Hello, boys. How are you? It's so nice to be back with you all. And hi, hi there, Mr. Rourke. Guess what? We went and braved that rainy night and spent all that time watching that beautiful parade and the tree lighting down on the square. And I'm sorry that you, Mr. York, did not come and join us. <laughs> Yeah, bad weather is not my specialty. When, whenever, even football, I love football. But if it's raining, I'm gonna have to bypass. It. Uh, you're a fair, fair weather kind of guy when it comes to these things, I guess, huh? Yep, yep. Well, I am so thrilled to be back with you all. I came in here about three months ago to talk about a little article that I had written as a transplant here from California um, about what I love so much about living in Columbia, Tennessee. How, when did you move here from California? I moved here a year ago, uh, last August um, 2022. Okay. And I moved here because my daughter <clears throat> and her family, meaning my grandkids, they all moved here. And so I came to visit them. Um, and I was saying last time, of course, Mr. York had fun with this, but um, that I, when we went to the tree lighting ceremony, they took me when I came to visit that first time two years ago. And um, we saw the parade and the tree lighting, and I was so uh, just had an instant connection, instant connection to the town. It was just there was uh, something that was familiar about it, even though I'd never been here. So you, your daughter and your grandchildren live here. That's right. So and then, so you followed them. I followed them, and I hear that happens a lot. <laughs> but yes, it does. Uh, so it's good. It's all good. And so I was telling you at that time that I was working on my third book. Um, I have recently <clears throat> had it published, and it is called In Search of Gopher Hollow. And when I moved here, excuse me, just one sec. <clears throat> when I moved here, I did not intend to be writing another book. I'd written two books, and they pretty much dealt with the loss of my son, which I shared about before. Um, I had lost my son, tragically, to suicide. And so I wrote his um, story, and then I wrote a follow-up book that was kind of a, a guidebook for grieving moms, other grieving mothers. And that was in 2021. So I thought, okay, I'm all done. And then um, this is how it went. So a little serendipity. I came to visit my daughter again last March. Um, 
And we happened to be on the square, and we went into Duck River Books. And um, I said to the owner there, James, I said, hey, you know, can you recommend a book for me to take home on the plane? And so he pointed up at the shelf, and he said, why don't you take that book? That's Rory Feek's memoir. And I didn't know who Rory Feek was. So I just took his suggestion, and I bought that book. And on the way home on the plane... Early in the book, maybe within the first 20 pages. It's a five or six hour flight. To <laughs> yes, it was way. a great book to be flying home with. But um, the first 20 pages, I something struck me. It was just this little passage that I didn't know really why it, it hit me like it did, but it, it resonated with me. And it's where he mentioned um, a place he had lived as a child in Kansas, a little town in Kansas, that... Um, became like his safe place and that his whole life he's been looking to recreate that feeling in his new life um you know as an adult and which is why he ended up in a farmhouse and drives an old classic car and all this so anyway that was something about that that just caught caught me so i go home i soon after decide to uh, sell my house and move to columbia and so i was very busy i couldn't even finish his book all right now where what what part of Hurricane do you live in? I live um, in, right here, um, right off the square. I'm I'm about one mile off the square. so well, I'm Downtown off, Columbia. Uh-huh, yeah. I'm what, off of Hillcrest and 7th. There you go. What about your daughter? She's North Columbia. She's um, right south of the Honey honey Farms um, in, off of Lookout. There's oh. a, a nice area right in there. Okay. So we're All now right. 12 minutes apart instead of 2,000 miles apart. You don't so. see the smile on her face. But. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, I just wanted to share how um, when I moved here, I go to church with my kids. We go to St. Catherine's, and uh, after Mass, we were standing out front, and all the kids like to play out by the magnolia tree in the back, and the adults kind of mill around. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this tall figure with a beard, and I look, and I say to my daughter, hey, is that Rory Feek? And she said, yeah, he comes here to church sometimes. And so I said, I'm going to go introduce myself. So I walked over and I said, hi, Rory. Um, I introduced myself. I said, I'm a recent transplant. And I wanted to tell you um, that I, first of all, that I got your book. I haven't finished it yet, but I do know the gist of the story. And I, I wanted to offer my deepest condolences for the loss of your beautiful wife and I said, I, I've, I've been through some recent losses that are similar, and I know how hard it is. And he just looked at me. He looked right in my eyes, and he hugged me, and he said, I'm so sorry for any pain you have had. And the next thing he said was, hey, would you guys like to come to my next show? I'd love to have you as my guests. So I'm like, yes, so we did. And that's how I got real familiar with who he was, his music, and his story. Then later in the year, in December, I went to another show. And in the middle of that show, he had a little Q&A session. And a lady raised her hand. And she said, I was at the restaurant, Marcy Joe's, and I'm wondering, what are all those signs all around about this little town in Kansas? Like, what is that about? And so he then articulated in his voice that uh, that exact scene that I had read in the book, that little short thing that I had read on the plane, you know, six months prior. And when he said it in his voice, 
I almost started crying. It's like I just knew there was something in this that I had to pay attention to because it was speaking to me. And he didn't even know I was there in the audience. You know, this was just an internal uh, reaction that I had to hearing him say how that was his place of security and comfort and where he just loved his life. And he's been seeking it ever since. And then three weeks later, I had a dream about my grandparents' home, which was called Gopher Hollow. And I have this dream. It's a recurrent dream because this was such a powerful time in my life where um, my grandparents offered my mom and my two, my sister and I refuge after quite a very tumultuous early childhood. Um, so we were living in the Northwest for three years and they, he, my grandparents invited us to come and stay there at Gopher Hollow so- where we to get our feet back under us. And your new book is Return to Gopher Hollow. It's called In Search of Gopher Hollow. In Search of Gopher Hollow. Uh-huh. And so I was almost eight. And what I do is I I have decided that this is kind of a similar story as Rory's. And that's why I credit him. I even went to his publisher to get permission to use that section in the book um, because I do, you, it's a subconscious quest you're on. You're, you don't even know it. I mean... You, all these years, I have gone through a lot in my life, and um, I've just always moved forward because I've just always felt that there's something out there that's going to offer me that same sense of security and safety that I had as a little girl um, staying there with my grandparents. It was like a magical time, and um, I became very close to my grandfather. So um, my grandfather was this larger-than-life figure. Um, he was Portuguese, and he was a self-made man, uh, came from poverty, and built a business uh, in the travel business. Um, really a very successful man, and but he just, I'm wired like my grandpa, and he could recognize in me even as a little child, and he kind of took me under his wing, and through my grandfather's inspiration and his influence, I assumed a lot of these same kind of qualities and traits of, you know, like resist resilience and... Um, okay, Eileen, it's time to take a break. We'll come <laughs> back and talk about your book. Great. Thank you. Motor Sales in Columbia has a large assortment of quality, new, and pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs, a trusted sales staff, and financing plans that fit any budget. Visit Parks once and you'll quickly discover why people all over Middle Tennessee have been buying vehicles there for more than 60 years. And factory-certified technicians can service and repair your vehicle as long as you own it. Go to ParksMotorSales.com or stop by the lot at 919 Nashville Highway and take a test drive today. I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. 
Hi, I'm Steve, the garbage man. By now, you all know about Don, our service truck guy. Well, let me tell you about another member of our service team, and that's Mike Ashley. He's the guy you'll talk to when you call the office. Just call and talk to Mike one time at 931-540-0919, and you'll see why we're lucky to have him here at the Garbage Man. Thanks, Mike, for all you do to keep the Garbage Man first in service. That's 931-540-0919. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Hey, this is Seth Moss at Tennessee Valley Equipment, a premier FAE Prime Tech, Bandit, and Shearex dealer. We are your dealer for all of your land clearing and forestry mulching needs. We sell equipment, provide repair service, and parts along with a rental fleet of mulching equipment. We also offer mulching teeth, blades, and sharpening. Our number one priority is getting you up and running as quickly and affordable as possible. Tennessee Valley is located at 300 Santa Fe Pike in wonderful Columbia, Tennessee. Stop by or give us a call today at 931-981-9812. The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trotwood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I'm going to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. 
we're back. Three dudes with a view. I'm Del Kennedy. I'm dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. Good morning. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody out there. All right. We have Eileen Spatz with us this morning, folks. She's been with us before. She is a California transplant, moved here to be with her daughter and grandchildren. She <laughs> has uh, written a new book uh, called In Search of Go for Halibut. Eileen, before that, uh, you've also written a blog about uh, what it's like to move from California to Columbia, Columbia, Tennessee. Can you tell us just briefly about that, please? Yes. Uh, so last summer, I moved here, August 13th. And then this summer, um, right around that time, I decided, you know what? I've been here a year, and I've been making all these little notes about the things I've discovered and things I really find charming and wonderful about Columbia and just Tennessee in general, too. What, so, what, what did you find? I, and so, my goodness, I, I can't even begin. So... Just the friendly people, people that wave to you when you're drive when when they drive past you on the road, just people that start conversations at the market, you know, um, in line or the cashier telling you all about how they bake whatever your you know the ingredients you've got on the on the line going through. They're talking about what they make with these ingredients, giving you ideas for recipes, and just. The beautiful weather. I love the changes of the seasons coming from a, a California climate where it's very, it's beautiful, but it's boring. And so to, to come here and see all the leaves turn color and just everything, you guys, the daffodils springing up in March out of nowhere, just all over the place and the, the mule, the mule parade. <laughs> just, there's so much that I just, I fell in love with it. Right. Um, we may tend to forget what's in our own backyard. But, that's it. But this journey led you to uh, write a, a book based on your own uh, growing up uh, yeah. and in search of Gopher Hollow. Right. So and you was where, in, where is Gopher Hollow? Well, Gopher Hollow is in Alhambra, California. Okay. And it's a suburb, suburb of Los Angeles, about, you know, half an hour out of town there. So but, how did d- – does – and, and it's not written under Eileen Spatz. What's your pen name? Yes, that's important for me to tell everybody that all my books are written under a pen name. And the pen name I use is Teresa with an H Anthony. So Teresa Anthony. And this book is available at Duck River Books in downtown Yes. Columbia. And okay. so James over there is so gracious. He, he's been so supportive of my book. So I took some copies over there. I'm hoping anybody locally that wants to have, um, to read a story that's, it's not only, it's compelling because you're reading about someone else's life, but you're going to recognize in my life challenges that you may have faced yourself. And you might start thinking, reflecting about who in your life inspired you and kept you going through some tough times but anyway um, well now tell me though ned would how, how does how to go for holla and columbia murray county compare well see here's the thing that that's how i end this book is that moving here this is my new go for hollow so go for hollow first i have to explain what that means oh first before i go on I just want to encourage local local folks to please purchase the book at our local beautiful bookstore um, on the square. It's just a great store, and we need to support our local merchants. So, um, but if you don't yes, live in do. the area, then go ahead and get it on Amazon. That's fine. It looks like this. My daughter designed the cover. It's beautiful. Um, so. This is to answer Delk's question. Okay, like what is the connection? Well. 
as I was saying, I moved here and I was just immediately enthralled with this new place that I live. But what is interesting is I, everybody told me, oh, planning it taking, you know, at least a year before you feel like you're familiar with the town or wherever you live. And also, you know, it could take two years before you feel like you're actually living there. And for me, the connection was instantaneous. It was something in my soul that responded to this place. There was something familiar about it. And I didn't realize yet that it was my new gopher hollow. But first I have to explain what that means. So my life is topsy-turvy, as all of ours, you probably are. And I am just a nobody person. I'm not like a famous person that, oh, I've got to go get her autobiography. No, I'm just a regular person with a regular life. But what I've tried to put together in this book is not only the struggles that I've had and tragedies, but balance that with a lot of fun uh, stories about my life, too. It's really kind of entertaining to read this book. And I know boomers like me will really love (laughs) my references to the 60s and 70s and stuff that they'll go, oh my gosh. So I have a really good uh, long-term memory. So the details are all crystal clear. And But my point here is, is that I wanted to present my story because I believe it can be extremely inspiring to people who may be facing big struggles and they just can't they can't rise above it, you know. Um, So I'm kind of like weaving my grandpa into this story because he he was my influencer. He was the one who kind of that I um, assimilated his energy uh, as I grew up. And it has really served me well. It's made me strong and resilient and resourceful. And by my example, like, I didn't give up. I mean, I lost my son. I, there's nothing worse, nothing worse that can happen. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. There's but our, yes. it, it, folks, we're talking about with Eileen Spatz, who's the author of a new book, uh, In Search of Gopher Hollow. And Eileen, uh, she writes under the pen name Teresa Anthony, mm-hmm. and uh, it's available at Duck River Books in downtown Columbia. And it describes uh, in a fictitious way how uh, her journey from California to Columbia, Tennessee led her to think about, which is now her now her new happy place, led her to reflect on her happy place growing up, Gopher Holla, out in California where her grandparents lived. Eileen, great story. Now, Thank well, you. Let me ask a question. Shoot, Mr. York. <laughs> Eileen, you, you talk about resilience. You know, people have had hard times mm-hmm. and, and difficult times and many, many lives. And your grandfather's uh, important role and you being able to survive and, and, and do things that that were very positive. What in particular did you pick up from your grandfather? You said you lived outside of L.A., which is outside the big city, just mm-hmm. like Columbia's outside the big city. Right. And uh, what what specific things did you pick up? Because my grandfather was a big influence on me. He had uh-huh. no education. He knew how to work. He was never unemployed. He owned his own property. Uh, What did you pick up in particular from your grandfather? I would say it was his entrepreneurial spirit. He was not afraid to fail. 
he was always trying something. Uh, his early life, he he left us with these amazing memoirs, and I mentioned them in the book because they are so. 17 volumes of ha- type written on a manual typewriter till he was 91 years old. And it, reading his early life and the struggles he had trying to find a footing and trying to find the thing that would work for a career, because he wasn't an office guy. He wasn't going to sit nine to five in an office. So uh, he was very entrepreneurial. And I would say that is it, that he gave me that spirit of never giving up, not being afraid to fail. And I have failed. I have tried so many little <laughs> brainstorms because I call it my grandpa gene. It just comes out. And I'm always thinking about what I can create create or, you know, where, what new path I can go down. And um, and many times I fail. I have a box of old business cards <laughs> from all of my ventures that flopped, but I keep them. You know, it keeps you humble, you know. Um, and then eventually you find something that that clicks. And so, Mr. York, for me, it was for my seeing my grandfather's uh, when I was eight years old and moving there to their house. And I start the book off in present tense, where it's a little eight-year-old girl sitting in his office and in awe of all of his little travel brochures. He's a tra- and the, like I said, he had nine travel agencies, and he was winding down his career at that point in 1964. He was 64 at that time, but just sitting there looking at all he had made of himself, you know, knowing his um, very meager beginnings, and and that he. You know, just uh, it it just filled me with awe, and just being there in that property. It's about an acre, which in LA an acre is huge. <laughs> but just discovering the things around the house, the gardenia bush um, that was right outside the kitchen window. I'm on a tangent, but these are the things. Like I I planted a gardenia bush at my house here. I mean. It's like what Rory was saying, how you gather things into your life that remind you of that place where you were the happiest and felt, I just felt safe and loved and secure there. And so it was like my little sanctuary. So it's funny that since I moved here, and so you guys will love this. So when I moved here and last fall, I went down to um, Blue 32 just because it was a um, late fall day. It was raining and I had nothing to do. So... I saw there at the store, they had um, these exact, exact ones that my grandparents had on their front lawn when I was a little girl, the big plastic lit up nativity set, you know, Jesus, Mary, and baby Jesus, and... I could not believe it. And so I, I bought it. <laughs> so I have it now out in front of my house. And I'm sure my, my neighbors are like, okay, like, what is this? It's like really old and funky, you know, but I don't care. Like for me, it's like I'm, and I have my grandmother's piano and I've got her little knickknacks in my kitchen now. And it's like, I have been creating my new gopher hollow here there you go all right so would you say your grandfather was a a firm man or was he a gentle man uh you know i i had a a teacher that the first day of class he put three f's on the blackboard (laughs) he said he was ex-military guy he Mm -hmm. says i'm fair firm but friendly Mm -hmm. yeah and that stuck with me and and my grandfather was pretty he was funny Mm -hmm. he was firm Mm -hmm. But he had a work ethic that taught me don't stand around and wait for things to do. You know what to do. Get with it. Yeah. And and be be proactive. 
And uh, so what were some of the qualities of your grandfather? Well, it's interesting you say all that, you know, Mr. York, because you, he's your grandpa sounds a lot like my grandfather. Was it your grandfather or your father? Your my grandfather. Your grandfather, yeah. He sounds mm-hmm. a lot like my grandpa. So same thing. He was firm, definitely firm. He had high standards for his whole family. And sometimes that was could be annoying. <laughs> but in the way you look back and you're like grateful that he did set those standards and he did challenge us to be the best we could be. And like, again, it was mostly at that late stage of his career, it was teaching us by example, like um, telling us his life story and all the challenges he faced and how he and during the depression trying to stay in business and what he had to do you know take people's um personal like they needed a ticket they had no money he would accept their old watch or whatever but he kept himself in business and i just loved that i loved um hearing stories about how to survive Okay, folks, we're running, we're running out of time this segment. But again, Eileen, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Eileen Spatz, a.k.a. Teresa Anthony. Her new book is In Search of Gopher Holla. It's a journey from California uh, to Columbia, Tennessee, and then back in her mind to her safe place where she grew up in uh, Gopher Holla in California. Now her safe place and her happy home is Columbia, Tennessee. Go down to Duck River Books. Uh, if you can get there. If not, Amazon's got it. And uh, Aileen, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. to turn your car into cold hard cash today don't look any further than chrysler dodge jeep ram of columbia you probably know us for selling cars but did you know we're in the business of buying cars that's right we buy all makes and models at top dollar every day show up with your car and leave with cash it's that easy stop by today to get a written offer on your vehicle chrysler dodge jeep ram of columbia is family owned and proud to serve our community you can count on us Hi, this is Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. Here is what some of our customers are saying about us. Great people. The place to shop for fair prices and great craftsmanship. Beautiful vintage and custom jewelry. Thank you, Beth. That is our goal. Stop by and see for yourself. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. Owned and operated by Rick, custom designer and Terry registered gemologist. Assuring you the best jewelry value and expert services. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Need a little- extra cash for the holidays from now until christmas pillar plumbing heating cooling and electrical is giving you a 500 dollars visa gift card when you buy select new hvac systems or receive a 250 dollars gift card with a new tankless water heater and upgrade now with monthly payments as low as 79 dollars. visit happyhiller.com happy you'll be or the service is free call the happy face truck today yeah. This is Mark Carey at the Trailer Store. 
We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. This is Delk Kennedy, owner of Kennedy Broadcasting Company, operator of WKRM, historically 1340 AM, now 103.7 FM, and WKOM, 101.7 FM. We call ourselves Front Porch Radio, and I've said many times what that means. It means that we are working to connect this southern Middle Tennessee community, one listener, one relationship at a time. And let me elaborate on what that means. In this community, we will relentlessly promote jobs, commerce, business, industry, education, arts, green space, music, rivers, the great outdoors, healthcare, churches, charities, sports, and all the great people of Southern Middle Tennessee. Join us, help us, call us. Front Porch Radio, Delk Kennedy, thank you for listening. News with a view. My name is Del Kennedy. I'm dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. Good morning. And good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. All right, Mr. York. I've got something that Clayton, you too, can maybe help me out with. Uh, I, I was surprised. I think. Uh, well, I was, I'm not sure. Surprised is the right word, but I did not expect. Uh, the the Carver Smith event, where the old uh, uh, you know we, we, you had a it was a basketball game, right, Clayton? Yes, sir. And the Car the Carver Smith uh, uniforms were resurrected. They're pretty doggone snazzy uniforms. The Carver Smith Yellow Jackets. For those of you who may not know, Carver Smith was the historically black high school uh, in. Uh, Columbia, Tennessee. There were other. This this is this came from an era of segregated schools. When I first started attending school in the 1960s, Murray County schools were strictly segregated: blacks in one set of schools, whites in another set of schools. Uh, Carver Smith, I think. So what happened was, of course, the. Uh, and anybody who wants to call in or text and help with my memory of this, because Carver Smith was closed when I think when I was in sixth or seventh grade. I think it was so, 1969. Yeah, sixth or seventh grade is where I would have been at the time Carver Smith was closed. And the circumstances were such that, and again, this is a, a very young man's memory of what happened, but 
at first, in response to the federal court rulings, uh, the Murray County offered school choice. In other words, anybody could go to whatever school they wanted. And a number of uh, black parents uh, chose to enroll their children in the uh, white schools in Murray County. I don't know whether any parents of white children enrolled uh, in the black schools. They could have, but I just don't know. I, I do know I was at McDowell, and there were, before I left, several black children had enrolled. And my memory of it is that the NAACP sued in federal district court in Nashville claiming that the desegregation of the schools was not having happening fast enough. And so it had to be desegregation had to be forced. And the response of the Murray County School Board uh, in order to accomplish what had been ordered by the federal judge in Nashville uh, simply closed uh, the black schools, uh, Carver Smith being among them. And, of course, the entire population uh, of Carver Smith students and teachers uh, went were, were redirected to Central High School here in downtown Columbia. Now, what sort of amazed me is the pride that even the young students uh, at Central, and in particular the young black students, the pride which they fa- found in uh, commemorating this historically black uh, high school here in downtown Columbia and recreating the uniforms and recreating the yellow jackets and the the whole thing. And then I heard that one of the old coaches from Carver Smith, who's still alive, uh, had he, he, all these years, he had kept all the numerous awards and uh, trophies and whatnot that Carver Smith had received for their athletic accomplishments and he was inspired by these events to i think give those uh trophies and awards to the columbia peace and justice and the initiative saying that all this time he just didn't he didn't have a home he couldn't there wasn't a home that he saw for these trophies and awards and there was a general sense that something had been lost when Carver Smith closed is what I sensed out there. Now, to me, this was surprising because at the time, and of course, probably at the time, my sense of it was and has been all these years that Carver Smith was a monument to something that was wrong, segregated schools. And there just wasn't much to remember there or to take pride in. That it was a it was a monument to uh, uh, schools that should have never been segregated in the first place. Um, so, Miss York, help me. I mean, well, you know, not only in Tennessee but throughout the South and in the North, also uh, there was a a rejection of the order to desegregate the schools. So, you know, the whole thing was to. As revenge, I thought, was to get rid of the black schools. I know in my hometown, the high school I went to, uh, they, first of all, they used it for a period of time, but they had boys uh, only, not girls. And the the other school that we attended was made to an all-girls school. So you had Caucasian boys and 
going to one school and then Caucasian and black kids going to another school. So it was a revenge factor, I think. But well, that I'm, was so lost that in begs- terms of the history of the school. You know, I, I know they have turned the school that I went to. Instead of it being a school now, it's an educational center. Right. Now, the name of Mr. Harrison as the principal, the longtime principal, is still on it. It's the Harrison Educational Facility. But a lot of black history was lost, and that's where the pride comes in. Yep, yeah, that's uh, the know, sense the, I got. The yeah. First, the first pro athlete came out of Carver Smith from well, Murray County. And Carver Smith has got loads, folks, of distinguished alumni. I mean, uh, most of them. I mean, most of them are getting pretty old at this point. But yeah. over their history, they had tons of very distinguished alumni, and by all accounts, some very good teachers. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard, but a lot of that was lost, Odell. You know, they uh, some teachers uh, couldn't get jobs, and some teachers could. You know, and I know that w- that was a big issue. But the history of that school was lost. And and nobody talks about it now, you know, unless some of the people that attended remember and come up with things. So that's why I think it was an outpouring of support for Carver Smith, because it did do so many good things in the, in the in the black community. The other thing, too, is that a lot of Caucasians didn't want to send their kids to a school in a black community. That, that was a myth of fear that they had, you know. Well, that and, begs and, the question, well, they though. They closed the school instead of. Just like oh, we got College Hill over there in the black community, they're not they're not making that a school. They're talking about schools. Won't they convert that back to an elementary school? Well, that but, begs but the question. But they qu- made it an education facility and a board meeting room because they don't want to send the Caucasian kids in the community like somebody's going to attack them, and that's not the case. Well, that begs the question, though, Mister York. I mean, should Carver Smith have been preserved as an historically black high school? I think it should have been preserved as a high school, period, and let let kids of all stripes go to it, just like College Hill. We're talking about building schools. What better way is College Hill is a solid building, and all they've got to do is convert it to classrooms, and that will take care of some of the overflow. And, but that school's in the heart of the black community, That's and you got a lot of Caucasian it, 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 parents it, it, don't want to send their kids there. It, it is a it's school. in private hands. Well, now. it is a school. I mean, over the, the alternative schools over there is it not, Mister? No, Clayton, yeah, but the you, alternative school. Yeah, the alternative schools over there. The alternative just, school is the old College Hill Elementary School. That, that's it, which was. It's, H. O. Porter now. Yeah, we yeah. got changed to H. O. Porter. Carver Smith was over on. Um, well, it it's was further couple, on east, a couple of blocks away. Yeah, at yeah. the end of each. East yeah, I wasn't eight. talking about Carver Smith. I, he was talking about College Hill, and, and yeah. All right, but now, okay. See, you understand where I'm coming from, Mr. York. I think the feeling was, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, I, and again, I, this is the, the memory of a seventh grade boy. But mm-hmm. it seems like all my life, the the feeling had been okay, Carver Smith. You know, was a shouldn't have existed in the first place, and let's put it behind us. Uh, but it's it the event just as as you've just said that point of view is not necessarily right. It should have maybe perhaps been pre, uh, preserved as uh, an historically black high school. Yeah, there there are schools in other cities that they are still schools. You know, 
in in Youngstown, Ohio, where I went to a Lincoln Elementary, is still being used today. It was an integrated school. And and I think the county did injustice to its citizens when they closed these schools. Now, some schools weren't prepared to handle, but the, the building that they sold to an investor over there at, at, at Carver Smith got it very cheap. Yeah, I think it's in and private hands. It made it hands. into apartments. Right. Because I had to do work putting telephone service in those apartments yeah it's in private hands now i think uh so i mean that's it's it's gone but uh but that was like a slap i think in the face of the black community since the since the courts say we got to integrate we gonna close the schools and they did it in a lot of places okay. not just in, Columbia, well, I, in I, a lot of places i'm you're helping me i mean i'm i'm understanding something i never understood before uh well Okay, but desegregation was upon us in uh, 1970 or 69 or whatever. So would would the appropriate thing to do been to put, you know, zoning lines for the schools where a, a certain number of, of white or Caucasian children were forced to go to Carver Smith? Or should it uh, – Carver Smith, or should it have been preserved as a predominantly uh, – black high school i mean and i know we're talking about you know we're we're doing a we're doing no, a monday morning quarter but we're, yeah. we're talking about what should have happened 70 years 60 years ago it but. should have been a school in murray county period draw the zoning lines and let kids go based on the zones they live in it should have been retained and and put teachers you know should have been they should have followed the 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 directive of the federal courts, integrate the schools and use them instead of selling them, tearing them down, abandoning them and doing all that stuff to get revenge because of the court order, because it was wrong in the first place to have se- separate and unequal. I can tell you about it because I came up in the separate well, I know, unequal I'm, system. I know you did. Uh, I got books that were used five or six years, 12 years old. We got books that was from the Caucasian school. We got football equipment. That was from the Caucasian school. We didn't get any new equipment. If we got a new pair of shoes for a player, it was one or two pair. Yeah, and everything but, was used. But again, that shoulder that, pads, hip pads, knee pads, helmets. Again, that sort of takes me back to though what I thought all my life that you know closing Carver Smith was good because then everybody went to Central and everybody got the same books, the same knee pads. You know, uh, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if if you close cars, but see, here's the thing. Well, that, that, there, there, right, there, the population of Columbia was small too, so I don't know if it could have it could have probably used it as an elementary school or some type of school rather than selling the building. That's what I'm saying. But but Murray County's been guilty of doing a lot of that, like they tore down McDowell. Why didn't they keep McDowell a rebuilding? Well, on that tore down the old Central High School, which was a beautiful building yeah. in downtown Columbia. The school board has a history of doing stuff like that. Uh, but now, okay, you're looking at a federal court order in 1969 or 70, and, and my memory of it is, seventh grade boy, is that there were actually ratios imposed by the federal court. You had to be you know, at least whatever, 30% uh, black, basically 30% black in every school, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they not only were they saying, you know, any, but I they, think they, they weren't just adjusted. Del. What's I that? think that could have been adjusted. 
based on the population in your area because you got you got some counties in Tennessee have no minority students at all. So you can't force a county that has no minority inhabitants to be in a school. What you gonna do? Bus them in from other counties? No, not, well, I, you know, you Wayne, can get, you can get waivers to a lot of the federal guidelines. Well, back that's then, why uh, I tell Scott that he's talking about strings attached. He can get things done to accommodate your your locality. Well, back then, so I mean, should the zoning lines have been drawn to put thirty uh, percent uh, white students in Carver Smith? Well, I'm not gonna say what percentage, but they should have just integrated the school like they had to do with other schools. Well, I mean, as I rec- the federal courts, the school boards may have been angry, but the federal judges were very angry, too, because the predominantly white school boards across the South, including the one here, had drugged their feet. And, yeah, but that happened in the North, too. It didn't, it well, didn't just happen true, in the South. True enough, but, but the federal judge in Nashville just had gotten very angry and just said, you know, this is going to happen now, and I'm going to tell you how you're going to do it, and it's going to happen this school year. You know, I mean, it, well, it's just like drawing the, the the voting districts in Alabama. They drug their feet and sent it back to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court say, get on with it. Well, you, you know, know what I mean. It was a, a very yeah, different. But yeah, time. it was an intentional slow process that they drug out, and yeah, and they ticked the judges off. But but take, by take what means would off. by what means would you have integrated Carver Smith in in 1969? I just hypothetically. I mean, you know, zoning probably be the best way to zone it. You know, the east half of the county could, could go to Carver Smith, and the west half of the county could go to Central. Okay. All right. That's an interesting discussion. I'm, I'm learning some things that. Uh, have lived with all my life and have a whole new perspective. Um, all right. Yeah, but it was a revenge thing, I think, to close a lot of the black schools. You know, since since the court order was issued and the judges were firm, they say, okay.